Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource and joining me is Michael Toporek. He's the CEO of Mechanical Technology. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. So, so Michael, those that aren't uh, familiar with uh, Mechanical Technology, can you just give them a quick overview of the company? Sure. Our largest and uh, most quickly growing uh, business segment revolves around um, mostly cryptocurrency mining and dense computing. You know, we are in the middle of scaling up our facilities so that you know we'll have, call it, plus or minus one exahash by the uh, end of the first quarter next year. And based on information we've put out and facilities we expect to build, we'll have a total of you know four exahash of uh, mining by the end of next year. That gives you some sense as to the size that we're doing. That should generate, you know, 120 to 140 million dollars of EBITDA next year on a run rate basis in the third or fourth quarter. We also have an instruments business uh, that's in the analytical instruments business. It it is a business that um, has its customers: the U.S. Air Force, uh, Navy, Boeing, General Electric. Uh, it's it's small. It's steady. It's uh, a very solid business. It's been around for 40 some odd years. Um, and you know, we're very pleased to be on your show, Jeff, and tell your audience more about what we do. Very good. So for, for the audience that doesn't understand uh, Exahash, can you just give us a two-second? Sure. That, I'm sorry I had to jump into all those statistics so quickly. Thank you for that question, Jeff. Basically, Exahash is a measure of horsepower. And the more horsepower we have, the more profit we can generate. So this past year, was really an exercise in scaling up the business from ground zero. We, we built out three facilities, and we really started to get to what I'll call an industrial-scale crypto miner. Next year, our growth will be significantly larger in that um, we're starting from a meaningful base of assets. And we'll, So, for example, we'll have, at the, fir- at the end of the first quarter, one exahash. But notice how we move from one and we're adding three more plus or minus next year. So we continue to scale in, a, in that kind of progression and add more horsepower. The more horsepower we have to contribute to the, the crypto and, and usually Bitcoin network, um, the greater our revenue and profit stream. And so that's just an important measure of the computing power we manage. Very good. So. I'm going to back up just for a moment. You're fairly recent to the company, is that correct? Well, I am and I'm not. Um, I My firm has been an investor in the company for plus or minus five years. Uh, and as a consequence, I've been a director of the company for that time period. In terms of my role as chief executive officer of the company, uh, I think I assume that role on an interim basis, call it Q4 last year, and sometime in Q4 decided to assume that role in a permanent role. Okay, and the, and so your background and 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 what was the opportunity that you saw here? Sure, um, we've been working with the company. Um, since our initial investment in the company to make a variety of acquisitions, both inside the analytical instruments business and outside that. Um, And as part of what we were thinking of doing, we um, 
decided to allocate some capital to the uh, you know, crypto mining business as it became a little frustrating to do uh, an acquisition search. We thought we would organically start up a, a crypto business and see how that went. We dipped our toe in the water, built out a facility, or actually acquired a facility and brought it back up in Washington State. That went very well. Then we began to think of shifting the focus of the growth of the business from the instrument business to the crypto business as a good way to, to deploy capital, monetize a net operating loss that the company had on its books, and really build out a growing you know, compute-centric business. And as we began to effectuate that business plan, it, it made more sense uh, for me to play a more active role in growing the business and allocating the capital, make sure we had the right return on invested capital, and began to think about how we want to build out the portfolio of projects, as well as uh, making sure we had the right people in place to grow out this business to, to become a, a substantial enterprise. So that's when I moved from uh, more director to more chief executive officer. Okay. Now, Bitcoin is obviously a commodity. Um, does Mechanical uh, have any advantage uh, over the competition, or, or what sets you guys apart? I, I think that many in the business are what I call PPA chasers. They run around the globe trying to sign PPAs for cheap energy. I think an important differentiator for us is that we're solutions providers to the energy sector. So, for example, if you are a power generator and have a wind farm and you're not selling all the megawatts you can produce, we provide you with a solution where you can monetize every kilowatt of energy you generate. We can make sure that turns to cash by co-locating our compute at your generation site, we're able to take that in and turn that to cash for you. And the projects we're building out next year are really the beginning of what I call the compute-slash-renewable revolution. This country is attempting to put more renewable energy on the grid. Renewable energy is an intermittent energy source. So the more renewables that go on the grid, the greater the problem of unsold but able to be generated power becomes. So I think that in several years, nearly every renewable project on the planet will have associated with it some level of dispatchable computing, meaning the computing that's there can be flipped on and off and help to monetize the excess energy that's produced at that site. And that's really the business we're in. And I saw you did some pretty nice uh, energy deals that were low cost. Were those low-hanging fruit, or, or do you have enough of those deals? No, out there? I think actually, again, with this, with being a solutions provider to the energy business, this solutions business is really global in scale. We're talking to energy producers all over the world about their problems and how we can provide them with a solution. Um, as I've alluded to, we're building out a project called Dorothy. That'll be a real showcase of this technology and how we're taking a wind farm that was somewhat profitable and dramatically increasing its profitability. 
the secret of the renewables business is that many wind farms do not perform to their projections because in the end they can't sell all the power they generate for the dollars they'd anticipated. So from that perspective, um, we're able to help optimize the profitability of, of many energy projects. Okay. So, and that solution's all over the world. And there's, we have a very significant pipeline where we're working with power producers to, to help them with this issue. So are you, are you helping with this issue for others and infrastructure for others, or it's all the, the companies mining? Um, what we're doing is, so for example, we're working with power production facilities. So we, we help them by being their customer. So right now, their only customer is something they shoot across the grid. We actually partner with them and become their customer and monetize every bit of energy they produce. So that's, that's how we work with the, with the power-producing industry uh, across the globe. And from our work in terms of market research and the, and the sheer volume of inbound phone calls and, and meetings we've taken, this is a global problem, and we're in a, what we're doing is an important part of the solution to this. So uh, what I was getting at, though, are you doing the mining yourself with that energy? Yes. Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you're not hosting others. Okay. So I want to – we are very return-on-invested capital-driven. So when the, the Chinese government made its pronouncements, call it several months ago, there were a slew of mining companies that needed to find new locations. So we did um, – cut a deal to do a joint venture with uh, one miner out of Asia, and um, they're taking 10 megawatts of one of our facilities, and I disclose this in our information and, and the level of profitability that, that we're generating. It's a, it's a tremendous return on invested capital, and we're seeing you know, a 12-month payback on the cost of our infrastructure. So um, we, we formed a joint venture where the revenue covers our people cost, covers our power cost, and then we split, have a profit split after that. Okay. So we are flexible, but it has to be for the right kind of economic arrangement. Okay. Now, um, I see you're in the middle of an acquisition, and yes. I'm wondering you know, how that is going to help the company or change the company. So we're really acquiring a partner company that, we've, that MTI has worked with since inception, um, so I expect that acquisition to close the first week of November. We have a shareholder vote at the end of October, and we're actually going to rename our company. It's, it's the company that we're buying is called Saluna, and um, we're going to rebrand MTI as Saluna Holdings. So um, next time I come on your program, it'll still be me, but it, it'll be under the name, uh, a different moniker. Um, that acquisition helps solidify the partnership we had built because the sites I had mentioned from the first, second, and the third were really done in partnership with Saluna, and the relationship was contractual. That became cumbersome to administer, and so we decided to roll Saluna into uh, MTI. Okay. 
So it, it sounds like this is all dwarfing the, the legacy business that you have. Um, any plans to divest of that? Um, I think that as I've communicated to shareholders in the past, um, we are systematically looking at various options because it's just it's going to become less than 10% of our EBITDA very quickly, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to, to, me, to have investors spend their time understanding that business. It is a great business with tremendous prospects that we like to own. And, um, but if we were able to, for example, spin it out and have it combine with a business from another company and create another entity, or if um, there was an opportunity to um, combine it with another company for various you know, consideration, we would consider that. And we're systematically investigating the opportunity to do that. But this is not something we're going to give away lightly. Um, it's a very valuable business. Um, but I, long term, I don't see how we justify keeping the two together. Okay. And, and I see you um, just raised some money th- through a convertible yes. bond. Can, can you just touch on that for a moment? It gives you enough sure. runway, et cetera. The way that came about was um, I had been in conversations with some investors that invested in our first deal, and uh, we had talked about some of the potential capital requirements that may be coming up to help finance our growth. And um, the dialogue got to the point where um, they put out an offer that made sense for us, and we kind of shook hands on it and executed. The important thing for us was we know this capital provider, they have uh, worked with us in the past, and their style of investing uh, really works well with us. They're, they're not some sort of hedge fund that's going to be delta hedging everything. They're a solid, fundamental investor, and I, I have enjoyed a, a relationship with them in the past uh, as, as our shareholder, and I expect to continue to enjoy a financial relationship with them going into the future. Um, but this financing was just one very small part of our financing plan. As I've indicated, there is a menu of non-dilutive financing options that I expect to announce and execute on as we roll out our business plan for next year that will include um, equity partnerships at the project level, where, for example, an equity partner writes a check, they get their capital back, plus a pre-specified return, and then we share 50-50 after that pre-specified hurdle rate is achieved. There will also be debt at the project level. Um, There might be some additional preferred stock. There might be debt at the corporate level. So those are all non-dilutive measures to finance the company. But to do that effectively, it was important that we increase the common equity base of the company. And that was a necessary but small step in the financing plan to get us to where we're going by the end of next year. Okay. And in terms of the total addressable market, um, I'd heard something about 900 coins uh, a day being allowed to be minted. Am I wrong in that? Or what's the capacity or addressable market, I guess? For Bitcoin for you? You know, we don't only mine Bitcoin. It is predominantly what we do. We disclose our, our 
revenues in terms of Bitcoin equivalents because typically the altcoins we mine, we flip into Bitcoin and then convert to cash. And I think it's also important to note that all coins mined by us, we convert to cash every day. So in terms of um, the addressable market, I think we look at the market more broadly than just Bitcoin. One of the things that I had mentioned that we're going to start gearing up on is the um, dispatchable um, computing. Uh, basically, what that means is, is for example, if, if a professor has a particular application or a particular um, data set he needs to run overnight and crunch a whole bunch of numbers, right now many of them are using Amazon Web Services. That is more than they should be spending to do that. Because, for example, that professor or that music company or that, that movie company doesn't care if something comes in at noon or 1 or 11, and it's not an always-on application. We can take that into our data centers, crunch those numbers, get them access, get them their results for at least 50%, if not 70% less than they're paying AWS. You should expect us to gear up a project, a pilot project that does that over the course of next year and attempt to ramp that. That is a very large addressable market. And I would expect that over three to five years, we continue to be in the crypto mining business. But this sort of dispatchable uh, computing will play an increasing role in our revenue stream. It will be nascent next year. It will be measurable the following year and hopefully growing from there. So for now, how would you describe your revenue model? For now, our revenue model is to provide computing power into the, the crypto networks out there, either Bitcoin or altcoin networks. And you could look at those as like the Visa network, except you pay a membership fee um, and merchants pay transaction fees and, and other fees to finance the operation of that network. Bitcoin has its own fees that it pays to finance the operation of the network. Um, so assuming that Bitcoins have a value greater than zero and there are transactions, there needs to be a network to process those transactions. And we're part of that network. And in terms of margins, can you give us some idea there? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I think one way we differentiate ourselves is that any project that can't get below two and a half cents a kilowatt hour is, is not, not for us. And that's not just a, uh, a hurdle that we set out of thin air. It's, it's something that you know, we've gone back over time and looked at the last crypto winter and said to ourselves, at what price point did you need to be for power to make sure that you were continuing to be cash flow positive even through the, the bottom of the crypto winter? That number was two and a half cents a kilowatt hour. So every single one of our facilities has the ability to operate at a price point below two and a half cents a kilowatt hour. So in terms of margins, it's interesting to see uh, some investors that are very astute have looked at some of our numbers and said, why is your margin the same at 25,000 Bitcoin and 45,000 Bitcoin as you put out the scenarios? And I said, oh, that's interesting because at 25,000 Bitcoin, we have, we're operating ourselves at you know, 80, 83% uptime and have a, a cost of power at 2.3 cents. But 
that extra 17%, that gets us into the mid to high threes, depending on the season. Uh, but that does keep our margin the same. But it, if you do the math, it pays to run the extra hours because the profitability is there. And so that's one where at 100% uptime, we have a higher cost of power, but we can quickly drop to 83% for dramatically lower cost of power. So our cost of power moves around depending on the profitability of mining. Okay. So it, are there any um, supply chain or input cost issues? Um, well, I'm glad you bring that up because it's, it's become much more complicated these days. Our team has been great at managing these issues so far. So we have a greenfield facility we're bringing up right now. You can go to our website, www.mechtech.com, M-E-C-H-T-E-C-H, I think, .com, mechtech.com. And you can go to the Investor Center and, and look at our Anaconda facility um, live. It's live streamed. And that was brought up on time and on budget, basically because our team has been able to manage supply chain issues for getting electrical infrastructure to our facility, for getting compute to our facility. Uh, that is becoming increasingly challenging. So, for example, for this Project Dorothy, we've already begun to order the electrical infrastructure. Even though we haven't cracked ground, we, we just got to get that in, on the ground and got to get that ordered. So we are aggressively managing supply chain issues. And I'll give you an example for, you know, we were supposed to have fans delivered to the site, you know, three weeks ago. They're late. They, where they're delivered now. So that did affect our ability to run the site the way we'd like. So managing the supply chain for construction, electrical infrastructure, and compute is something that our team is aggressively doing every day with a very high level of success, but not perfectly. And it's becoming actually increasingly challenging to do that. And our team so far has proven to be up to the task in that it's called a one or it's caused one or two week you know little hiccups here and there, but no major delays, no major cost overruns into into what we've been doing. Great. Um, how about uh, the gating factors? What inhibits uh, faster growth? Um, I think we are a high growth company. Hiring people in this economy has been difficult. Getting great people has not been easy. And also managing a capital structure that is both efficient from a capital cost perspective at the same time as being sure that we attempt to minimize dilution to the common shareholders. So, you know, one, one can say, well, just raise as much as money as you can and get big, get really big fast. Yes, but the point is getting big, but at a high capital cost to our common shareholders, you do the math, you didn't benefit yourself at all. So the goal is to grow, grow quickly, but accrue value to the common shareholders. And, and our firm still controls you know, plus or minus 30% of the common equity. And so making sure that the value accrues to the common shareholders is something that we are keenly aware of in how we seek to finance the growth of the business. So I would say financing is 
a constraint on the growth of the business because we simply won't just raise money and dilute our common shareholders to oblivion. That, that's not in our interest. So that's, um, that's how we see ourselves going forward. Okay. And in terms of the drivers, um, might be a misperception, but is, is just the price of Bitcoin a big driver, or what are the key drivers? The key drivers, there are three important elements in looking at our business. So one is the price of Bitcoin, but the other is the network difficulty. So if the price of Bitcoin were to drop, but the network difficulty were to all of a sudden get way easier, like meaning people unplugging machines, that would actually be okay for us. We don't hold the Bitcoin on our balance sheet. So we don't take the double hit of Bitcoin going down and up. What matters to us is lower network difficulty, higher Bitcoin price is good for us, but that, that ratio matters. There's another important component. The cost of equipment to perform these calculations rises with the profitability of um, rises with the profitability of of mining, and so it's important to properly time your equipment purchases, which is why we seek to average that out over time. So we typically buy a certain amount of equipment every week or every other week. But on the one hand, on the other hand, when the what I'll call the Great China unplugging happened, it was clear there was a dislocation in the market. So we ramped up our purchases there, and 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 were very effective in in acquiring equipment at that time. So um, that's how I think about the, the the key variables driving our business. It's it's Bitcoin price, but network difficulty matters as much or more. And the cost of equipment is, is also an important, um, important to how we think about our business. So other than uh, quarterly reports, how do we track and, and see how well you're doing? Um, I think that one of the most important things that we've been able to bring to the crypto business is transparency and accountability. We release very detailed by facility operating and financial information plus or minus 10 days after the close of every month. You can follow our, prog- our, our, our progress as we ramp up what we're doing. So I just found that quarterly reporting, so just imagine you have the fourth quarter, October, November, December, and you're releasing information on that in February and March. In the crypto world, that's ancient history. I think it's important we keep our investors nearly real-time informed as to what we're doing and how we're doing it. So the best way for you to figure out what we're doing is go to our website, the 10th, 11th, or 12th of every month, and you'll have a, a very up-to-date view of what we've done for the prior month and, and some insight into what we expect to do for the next couple of months. That should help you formulate your own um, position with respect to investment in our company. Great. So before we go, any closing remarks you want to leave us with? Yeah, I just think that investors need to understand that um, we're becoming an important part of the renewables equation uh, across the globe. We're a solutions provider to the energy sector. That's a lot different. We happen to do that with computing, and we are rapidly 
scaling up the computing power that we're you know putting onto our uh, our network uh, across the U.S. And, and probably globally. So I would expect us to increase the computing power that we operate substantially uh, over the next uh, year or so. Well, I really appreciate your time, and thank you for sharing all that. Thank you, Jeff. appreciate being with you.